Okay, today is a lesson I am really excited about. We're going to go through the rest of Revelation as an overview and see what happens. So you have a a structure to understand the rest of this book. We are in the what is to come part. And then what I want to do is show you how Revelation and Daniel 9 and Matthew 24 all work together. One of the main points that's going to come out of it is these events that we're going to be talking about are in a period of time that's seven years that was prescribed by Daniel. Revelation never says seven years. It talks about three and a half years. And that three and a half years is the Great Tribulation. So I'm going to show you how the Great Tribulation fits into the 70 weeks of Daniel and how these things really fit together. So I think you get an overview and then you're going to get the time frame today. And then next week we'll start marching through the chapters. But by having the overview and the time frame, I think it'll help you a lot in understanding what's going on and keeping track. Now first, let's just overview last week. We started what is to come after we did what was and is, the letters to the seven churches. And then we started what is to come. And we started off in the throne room. And in the throne room, it's really clear who's on the throne. God. And that's a very important thing for us to know because the world's about to have the wheels roll off of it. And when things are going crazy, one of the main things you want to know is, where's God in all this? And the answer is, on the throne. Yeah, that's where he is. This is the Game of Thrones. And we're going to see as we go through here, the throne of God and the throne of Satan are going to be in a monumental clash. God is on the throne and there is this scroll that needs to be opened so that history can culminate. And this scroll has seven seals in it, and we're going to see the seven seals. So you break a seal, you unroll part, read part of the story, and you break a seal, and you read part of the story, and you break a seal, and you read part of the story. Except what we're going to see is you break a seal, and the story comes to life. Now, I don't know if this is going to be a common thing in heaven where you can go into the library and unroll a scroll, and it comes to life, but I hope so. I think that will be a cool thing to be a part of. But that's what's happening to John. And he, and he breaks the seals, and he has seven seals. Each of the seals, some new thing happens. And, and one of the things you'll notice is, it'll say something like, and a crown was given to him, or authority was given to him to do something. So the action on the earth, this horrible stuff, is being authorized and empowered from the throne room. Very important to remember, because this is a dark and terrible time. And in dark and terrible times, you wonder, where is God? And where is God? On the throne. And these things are emanating from God. And in fact, they're written in this book to happen. And we saw that John knew this book needed to be opened. This scroll needed to be unrolled, and nobody could unroll it. And he cried. And then somebody comes and says, Don't worry. This scroll can only be opened by somebody who's worthy. And thankfully, somebody's worthy, and it's Jesus who was slain. So Jesus opens the scroll, and things start to happen. So then here's what happens. Here's the overview. You have seven seals. Each time he breaks a seal, new stuff happens. When you get to the seventh seal, seven trumpets blow. So there's seven trumpets inside the seventh seal. Every time the trumpet blows, something happens. So every time a seal opens, something happens. And then every time a trumpet blows, something happens. And then the last three trumpets are called the three woes. So you see these things are progressively getting more intense as you go through. Seven seals. The seventh seal is seven trumpets. The last three trumpets are the three woes. 
And then when the seventh trumpet blows, there's a pronouncement. The kingdom is now inaugurated. That's pretty cool. It's just like the founders got to Philadelphia and signed a document and said, the United States is now a country. It's like David Ben-Gurion went on the radio in 1948 and said, Israel is now a country. Every country starts this way with a pronouncement. And there's a pronouncement. The kingdom has now begun. The reign has started. This is in the seventh trumpet. And then seven bowls are poured out. These are the bowl judgments. And these are really nasty. And the seven bowls include the prayers of us. So you have history unrolling from heaven, initiated by the throne room and by us on earth. And all the time, the main message of Revelation is remain a faithful witness because it's your choice whether you're going to remain a faithful witness or not. And by your choices, you're affecting what happens, even though everything's already written. I cannot explain that part except one thing. God is on His throne and He's God. So, I have the seven seals. Break each seal, unroll. Seventh seal, seven trumpets blow. Seven judgments happen. Last three trumpets. Three woes. Last woe or last trumpet. Kingdom is pronounced. Kingdom is pronounced. Then bold judgments happen. And then Jesus comes back. And He defeats the armies of Satan. Inaugurates a new kingdom. It's a thousand year kingdom. This earth is restored largely. Satan's locked away during this thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, he gets out for a little while, and there's another rebellion of all things. And then a final culmination, new heaven and a new earth. Old heaven and old earth pass away, and there's a new age inaugurated. That's the rest of Revelation. Okay, so we're in the throne room. John is going to be... And I don't know when John is... He says, come over here and look. I don't know whether John is looking through a window or looking down in a pool or being transported somewhere else, but it's all emanating from the throne room. Seven seals, seventh seal, seven trumpets, last three trumpets, three woes, last trumpet, inauguration of the kingdom, uh, Satan's evicted from heaven, and then seven bowl judgments, and then... A new heaven and uh, sorry, then the millennial kingdom, then a new heaven and a new earth. That's the overview of what's to come. Now, within that, I want to show you where this fits chronologically, and this is within a seven-year period predicted by Daniel. So let me show you that. And first, let me take you to a couple of places in Revelation that talk about time periods. Let's look at Revelation 11, verse two. He's measuring the court, the temple. He says, rise and measure the temple. We'll go through all these things, but today we're just looking at the time period. Verse 2, but leave out the court which is outside the temple. Do not measure it. For it has been given to the Gentiles, and they would tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. Okay, So part of what is predicted here is that Jerusalem is going to be overrun by the Gentiles for 42 months. Now let's go over to chapter 12 and look at verse 6. Now this is this sign where the woman, which is Israel, is fleeing and the dragon is trying to devour the child that she bore. And then verse 6, the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. They should feed her there 1,260 days. So, 42 months is three and a half years. 
1,260 days is three and a half years if you use 30-day months, which is the way the Jewish calendar works. They use moon, the moon calendar instead of adding five days a year to make it fit Yeah, the earth revolving around the sun. They just go with the lunar calendar, throw in an extra month every so often. I think it's every seven years. I'm not sure about that. Okay, and then 12, and thir- sorry, 13.5. So in 13.5, and this is the, the Antichrist now. He's a little horn in this particular vision. He was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he, the beast, was given authority to continue for 42 months. So we've got 42 months, 1,260 days, and 42 months. Three and a half years. That's the time where there's this, all this bad stuff that's been given to happen. Now, hold that thought. And let's go to chapter 7 now. So chapter 7, verse 9. So let's go to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Now this is going to be kind of like a, one of those intricate murder mysteries where if you miss a piece, the rest of the movie doesn't make any sense. So if you lose me here, raise your hand and I'll, let me repeat because the, all these things are woven together into a really fascinating picture. So chapter 7, verse 9. So this is, in, this is now we're in the sixth seal. We broke the sixth seal and various things are happening in the sixth seal. Remember, seven seals, seventh seal, seven trumpets, last three trumpets, three woes, last trumpet, kingdom inaugurated, and then uh, seven bowl judgments, and then the millennial kingdom, and then the new heaven and the new earth. Okay, keep that in mind. So we're back in the sixth seal. And in the sixth seal, he says in verse 9, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So here we are in the throne room, and there's all these people, throngs of people, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, John, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I said, Sir, you know. This is just like one of my granddaughters says. If you ask her a question she doesn't know, she say, you say. Same, same thing, it's biblical. <laughs> so he said to me, these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in the temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore, nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. So there's this great tribulation that's going to happen. People are going to come through it, and they're going to get an extra special blessing. That's the point here. And remember, the whole point of Revelation is what? Read, understand, do. What is it He wants us to do? Be a faithful witness. Unto the end, do not fear death. That's the point. That's the point of Revelation. These people did that, and they're getting a huge reward. But there's something called the Great Tribulation. So we got three and a half years where bad stuff is happening. We've got the Great Tribulation. What is this, and how does it fit in? Now, go to 
Matthew 24. The reason we're going to Matthew 24 is to set up going to Daniel chapter 9. Matthew 24. Now the setting here is that Jesus, in verse 21, departs from the temple. And His disciples came up to show Him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. So they've got this beautiful, amazing Herod's temple. And Jesus says, all this is coming down. Now this is immediately after the previous chapter where Jesus says in verse 37, just a few verses back, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who sent to her, How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus here, with a standing temple, with a functioning Jerusalem, is predicting a desolation. And so, naturally, the disciples ask a question. Actually, they ask three questions in verse 3 of chapter 24. Now, as they sat on the Mount of Olives. So here they are sitting on the Mount of Olives. It's about a 500 foot tall ridge overlooking Jerusalem. It's a very beautiful view today. I'm sure it was beautiful back then. The disciples came to him privately. So this is not a meeting. They're private. And they said three questions. Number one, tell us when this is going to happen. So Jerusalem is going to be desolate. The temple's going to knock, be knocked down. When is that going to happen? Number one. Wouldn't you want to know? Number one. Number two. What, what will be the sign of your coming? Because he said, you're not going to see me again until, until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So, what, what does that look like? What is the sign? And the third thing, what's the sign of the end of the age? So, when? What's the sign of your coming? What's the sign of the end of the age? And Jesus answers all three questions. He answers the last question first. Chapter 24, verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to them, When's the end of the age? He's answering now. Take heed, no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and will deceive many. And you'll hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So what question did they ask? What's the end of the age? That's the third question. And he says, well, a whole bunch of bad stuff's going to happen. He just told them the temple's coming down, right? Wars, rumors, lots of bad stuff, but the end is not yet. Verse 7, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. There's tribulation, but not great tribulation. And kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he endures to the end shall be saved. The end of what? The age. So what's the end of the age? Well, all this stuff happens. The end's not yet. If you endure to the end... You'll be saved. Saved from what? Hating. Saved from not being a good witness. Okay? Being delivered from losing your witness. Verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world 
as a witness to all the nations. We're going to see that happen in Revelation. An angel is going to fly through the earth to make sure everybody's heard preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then the end will come. Okay? So when's the end going to come? It's going to come after the gospel of the kingdom is preached to the entire world. Now he's talking to a group of 12 disciples. How many people in the world have heard the gospel of the kingdom at this point? Not very many, right? So they're thinking, wow, that's a big job to do. And I think Jesus wants to get that across, don't you? Because he's going to tell them, okay, it's up to you now to make this happen. After, right, and I'm going back to heaven. What? Yeah, okay. So then, the second question. So he starts with, what's the end of the age? Okay, the end of the age is going to come when the gospel of the kingdom. So then he starts the quest, second question, the sign of your coming. Therefore... When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who's on the housetop not go down and take anything out of his house. Let him who's in the field don't go back to get your clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing baby in those days. And pray that your flight not, might not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation. Okay? So here's Jesus. What's the sign? It's Daniel's abomination of desolation is the sign. And what that's going to inaugurate is great tribulation. So when is this building going to get knocked down? When are you going to come back and be restored? Well... The sign of my coming is going to be the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel. And there's going to be such a great tribulation, you just drop your hoe and run. That's how great it's going to be. And then he he answers the third question, which is, when is this going to happen? And that is in verse 36. Nobody knows. The answer to that one is nobody knows. Okay? So, Jesus is saying to the disciples, huge tribulation is coming on the earth. And it's going to be desolation of Jerusalem when the abomination of Daniel happens. The abomination of death spoken of by Daniel. So what's that? So we got great tribulation and the sixth seal. We got three and a half years, several places in, in, in Revelation. We got Jesus saying the sign of my coming is the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. So now let's go see that. And that's going to tell us this time sequence. Okay, so let's go to Daniel chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 20. Let me start with 27, because I'm going to have to go through this several times. Chapter 9, verse 27. Then he, he's talking about the Antichrist here, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Now, a week-long covenant doesn't last very long, right? But what we're going to see is this is actually a week of years. The literal here is, he shall convert, confirm a covenant with many for one seven. And the English translators are translating it week. It's actually seven. But in the middle of the seven, or the middle of the week, he, the Antichrist, shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate. So there's the abomination of desolation. So Jesus says, the sign of my coming is triggered when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And it happens in the middle of a week, a seven-year period. And what was the time that we saw in Revelation? What was it? 42 months, three and a half years. What's the middle of a seven-year period? Three and a half years. Okay, you see how it's coming together now? So there's a covenant between the Antichrist and Israel. And that starts the clock. 
And in the middle of that time, in the middle of that seven years, the great tribulation starts when there's an end to sacrifice and offering and and this abomination of desolation starts the great tribulation clock, which is 1,260 days. And most of these judgments that we're going to see appear to happen within the 1,260 days. Now, let me roll back again and give you the context for this. If you go all the way back to chapter 9, verse 1, it says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes. So Daniel's now past Babylon. The writing on the wall has happened. Babylon's fallen. The Medes and the Persians have come in. And now Daniel is in the administration of the, the Medes and the Persians. Okay? who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. The Medes and Persians defeated the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish the 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So now we come to a time in Daniel where where Jerusalem has been decimated. Who was it decimated by? Babylon. So Babylon has come in, decimated Jerusalem. They exile. So they're in exile and Jerusalem lies desolate. So, now this is intriguing. So you're going to have to really think about this. This is, this is the murder mystery plot. So Jesus is standing in front of the temple and saying this is all going to be torn down. And the sign of his coming is when sacrifice is ended in the temple. Which means the temple is going to be rebuilt and the sign that he points to is back in the time of Daniel when Jerusalem is lying desolate. See the cycle? Desolate, rebuilt, desolate, rebuilt, desolate, rebuilt. So there's desolations in Jerusalem and, and Jeremiah had predicted in 70 years this is going to end. And he said, well, the 70 year clock is coming to an end. Seven seals, seven trumpets, Seven bowls, seven years, 70 years in exile. What's with this seven thing? Well, in the Bible, numbers mean something. To the Jews, well, they do, they do all kinds of things with numbers. It's, it kind of goes beyond my comprehension. I get a little of it. But clearly in the Bible, seven is the number of completion. You have the seventh day, completes a week. And it's a pattern all through Scripture. So this is completion, 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 completion. And what are we doing here? What's the whole point of Revelation? We are bringing this age to an end and inaugurating a new age. We're coming to completion. So we got 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So he prays and he confesses his sins. And he says, what's happening? And he get, get down to 19. Uh, chapter 9 of Daniel, verse 19. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city, which is Jerusalem, which is laying desolate, and your people, who is the Jews, Israel, who are called by your name. So you predicted 70 years Jeremiah predicted it. It's laying desolate. Please answer. It's our fault, but please answer. Have mercy. Verse 20. Now while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel. Any doubt about who this is talking about? It's Israel. 
and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, upon what city is built? The holy mountain, Jerusalem. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, the angel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering, and he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you. For you are greatly beloved, and therefore consider the matter, and understand the vision. This word vision is dabar, and it actually means the matter. It, this is more of a revelation than is a, division, uh, a, a vision, which fits because this explains revelation. This revelation explains that revelation. So here is what he tells you. Seventy sevens are determined. Translator, translated weeks. So what has Daniel the prophet been praying about? The ticker is coming to the end on 70 years of desolation. So the angel comes and says, Seventy sevens are determined. If you're Daniel, you're thinking, well, aren't we just ending us? Well, now 70 more. 70 sevens are determined. For your people and the city. What was he asking about? His people and the city. Okay? So the nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, its history is going to be determined in 70 sevens. And this is years. Because you can't have the middle of a week be 1,260 days and it not be years. So this is 70, 490 years. So the rest of Jewish history and the history of Jerusalem is going to be resolved within a 490 year period. Here's what those 77s or the 490 years are going to accomplish. Within this 490 years, the following things will happen. Number one, to finish the transgression. Number two, to make an end of sins. Number three, to make reconciliation for iniquity or sins. Number four, to bring in everlasting righteousness. This is a really good 490 years, isn't it? Number five, to seal up or finish prophecy and visions. Vision and prophecy. Number seven, to anoint the most holy. So we're going to take the most holy make him king. You want restoration for your people? It's going to happen. And it's going to happen with this is 490 years. And it's not only going to restore your people, it's going to end sin. It's going to put the Messiah on the throne. This is a really good 490 years. Know therefore and understand. Here's how it's going to happen. Number one, that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. So now he's telling him, your desolated city is going to be rebuilt. I'm sure that made Daniel very glad. From that point, whenever that command happens, until Messiah the Prince will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Seven weeks and 62 weeks. So, 49 years and then whatever 62 times 7 is, years. So, 483 years. Now, why did he divide into 7 and then 62? Because after 7, the street shall be built again in the wall. So, after 7, you get the wall and the street. But after the 62, Messiah shall be cut off. Not for himself, but for other people. So now, this is kind of confusing, isn't it? Because this 490 years, what happens during the 490 years is the Messiah is anointed king. And righteousness is brought in to the earth. But now we're all the way up to 483 years and Messiah is cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come 
which is Rome, and you can get that in the rest of the book of Daniel. The prince of the people who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So here's poor Daniel. He's like, when is Jerusalem going to be rebuilt? Well, it's going to be rebuilt, and there's a decree that's going to go out, and then 49 years later it's going to be rebuilt, and then it's going to be knocked down again. During this time period where Israel is going to be restored and Jerusalem's restored and sin is done away with. So clearly a lot of stuff is going to take place during this 490 years. And at the end of it shall be a, like a flood until the end of the war desolations are determined. And then he, the prince who is to come, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. So now you've got 483 years or, or 69 weeks of years. And at the end of that, Messiah's cut off. And then another week starts at another time when this prince who is to come makes a covenant with Israel. And in the middle of that covenant, in the middle of that week, there's the abomination of desolations. And that's what Jesus talked about, the abomination of desolations. That's the sign of His coming. Therefore, you've got the book of Daniel predicting a culmination and a consummation, but within that, another desolation. So think about it. Jesus is referring to this prophecy while the rebuilt temple sitting there predicting it's going to be destroyed once again. And clearly within this prophecy, the people in the holy city are going to be restored, going to bring in everlasting righteousness, and everything's going to be fulfilled, including the lion shall lay down with the lamb and the babies will play by the hole of the poisonous snake. Well, what wasn't clear to them, and you can see at the end of Daniel it says, look, seal this up for now. Nobody's going to get it for a while, but at the end of the age, people are going to start to understand. Well, we can understand this now because these clocks, these clock watches stop, you know, like start and stop like your like your uh, stop stopwatch. You start it, you stop it, and it doesn't start again until you click the button again. So what, what Jesus did with these clocks is he started the clock the 70 years in exile, and then he ended the clock the 70 years. And then when the proclamation to go out and restore Jerusalem happened, he started another clock. And that clock goes for seven weeks, Jerusalem's restored. And then that clock goes another 62 weeks, and Jesus is cut off. Now, we can just do these, this math roughly. I, from the research I've done, I don't think anybody really understands these dates incredibly well. But Artaxerxes, the scholars think his reign started in 465 B.C. Okay, 465 B.C. Nehemiah says in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, uh, all the things happened where Artaxerxes told him, go rebuild Jerusalem. And that would be then 445 B.C. So if you take 483, 360-day years and convert them to 365-day years and add that to 445 B.C., you get 31.38 A.D. So I don't, know exa- you know, I don't think anybody knows exactly when these proclamations happened or what specific aspect of Jesus' ministry constituted being cut off. But it falls right in there, doesn't it? It's, it's right there in the ballpark that clearly that's what this is talking about. And then the clock stops. And we've been with a stop clock ever since. And the clock for Israel doesn't start up again until this covenant is made. Now, clearly there wasn't even an Israel. They were just dispersed until 1948. 
1948, Israel was reconstituted. So now, there's a lot of anticipation. Just like there was at the time of Jesus. Because everybody could, could do this math... And there was a tremendous amount of messianic anticipation, but they didn't understand this gap. This gap is called in Romans 11, verse 25, the time of the Gentiles. So we're right now in the time of the Gentiles. So now let's go back all the way through. He had 70 years of exile. And then Daniel prays and says, when are you going to restore Jerusalem and my people? And Jesus answers through Gabriel. And he says, here's how it's going to happen. You got... 69 weeks of years, 69 sevens, Messiah is going to be cut off. Within that, after the seven sevens, Jerusalem will be restored. And then Messiah is cut off. And then the prince of the people who is to come, after some lag, is is going to make a covenant with Israel. And in the middle of a week, in the middle of a seven, in the middle of a seven year period. And... And then there's an abomination of desolation. And Jesus told his disciples that that is triggering the great tribulation. And it's going to be a time that's so bad, you just drop whatever you're doing and run and flee. Because that's how bad it's going to be. And in, now, now all the way to Revelation. In Revelation, we see from the throne room this three and a half year period probably... It could, it's, it could be any time during the seven-year period, but probably the three-and-a-half-year period beginning to be inaugurated. And it starts by unrolling the seals. And you unroll the seals, and in the seventh seal, you get seven trumpets. The last three trumpets, three woes. The seventh trumpet, the kingdom is inaugurated. Satan is evicted from heaven. He goes to earth. He's furious because he knows he has very little time. He's been kicked out of heaven. And then... The bold judgments are poured out, which include the prayers of the saints of all history. And terrible judgments are enacted on the earth. And then Jesus comes down and conquers. The millennial kingdom is inaugurated. And then there's one more rebellion, judgment, a new heaven and a new earth. All predicted way back here. And not just predicted way back here, but let's just look at Acts 17.26. And it's so important to remember this when you're in an era where things are going bad. Acts 17, verse 26. And He, God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. History is already written. Even while we're being admonished in this book to be faithful witnesses. Whose choice is that? It's just ours. It's our choice. So, Revelation, consistent. Read, understand, do. What do you want to read? Understand? Well, first understand the events, the circumstances that are in your life, they're all orchestrated by God. He's the one that determines them. So, are you going to be a victim? Are you going to act out of choice? Are you going to be afraid? Are you going to act courageously? That will determine not what family you're in, What family you're in is determined solely by whether you're born into that family or not. And and spiritually, that has to do with just one thing. Have you believed on Jesus? What we're talking about here is, who are you going to become? What is your reward going to be? And what Jesus says is, my kingdom inevitably is going to destroy the kingdom of the world. It's going to obliterate it. And when I install my kingdom... 
I'm going to put my throne on the earth. And you know who I'm going to have on my throne with me? The overcomers, the nikaios, victorious ones, the conquerors. And I have conquered, Jesus says. I'm going to be a conqueror, and I want you to sit beside me. That, however, is not a matter of birth. That's a matter of being worthy. Was Jesus God before He came to earth and learned obedience even to death on the cross? Of course He was. His essence did not change. What changed was He became worthy because He overcame. And God is offering us the exact same opportunity. Be worthy. Be my witness. Do not fear death. Now, does that mean we're going to go through this tribulation? This great tribulation? Don't know. Don't know for sure. We'll talk about that later. Here's what we do know. Everyone's life has tribulation. It may not be the great tribulation, but everyone's life has tribulation. And everybody has something to fear, including our own deaths. And what the message here is, if we'll not fear death, not fear rejection, and we will be His witnesses, we get to be an overcomer. I hope you derive from this phenomenal comfort in the fact that God's in control and that His throne has Him on it. And even though Satan has access to heaven now, that will not continue forever. And he will be thrown to the earth and he will be in a position where at some point people will be walking by and saying, is that who everybody was afraid of? See, he's going to be like a beggar. That's where we're headed. But that's not where we are today. So, just as Jeremiah can look at desolation and be promised restoration, and Jesus can look at restoration and promise desolation, and revelation can promise desolation and then restoration, so we are going to experience both. But the promise is the restoration is sure. Who we can count on is unchanging.